Kia ora, this is The Detail, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today, why sequins are bad, and it's nothing to do with fashion. Clothing that's embossed or shiny or has sequins on it sheds little microparticles of plastic every time you wash it. Wastewater treatment plants don't filter it out very well, and uh, it ends up potentially in the ocean. Plastic is in our clothes, our food, our homes, our cars, our water. It's everywhere. Since the 1950s, 8.3 billion tonnes of plastic has been produced globally and nearly 80% of it has gone into landfill or was littered into the environment. Today, 36% of plastic produced is single-use packaging. Experts say our waste management is struggling to cope, the problem compounded by China's decision to stop taking our plastic waste. But there's a lot that we don't know about plastic. No idea how much plastic comes in in the form of ready-made products. So all of the sequins, all of the Christmas Santas, all of the lunch boxes, all of the cling wrap. The plan to tackle it started with the ban on single-use plastic bags. Now this. The government has meat trays, takeaway food containers and fruit stickers in its sights in a bit to further reduce our plastic waste. Imagine this. Teenagers giving you funny looks if you don't carry your own reusable food container. Fewer bits of fishing rope washed up. And every single piece of plastic we use can be recycled, biodegrade or go to leak-proof landfills. That's the vision of the Prime Minister's chief science advisor, Juliet Gerrard. It's how she sees Aotearoa in 2030 and it's how she starts her report that's out this week called Rethinking Plastics. Eloise Gibson is newsroom.co.nz's environment and science writer. She's read all 264 pages of the report. So Juliet Gerrard has just replaced uh, Sir Peter Gluckman as Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor and when she took over the job she went around the country and held a series of meetings and said to people what do you need scientific advice on? Um, presumably she also talked to Jacinda Ardern, who was <laughs> technically her person that she reports to, and plastic was one of the top concerns. So she's responding to that cry for better information. What is plastic and why is it so bad? Plastic is the name that we give to a certain kind of polymer. So there are natural polymers, cotton, silk, Um, leather and then there are synthetic polymers which are ones that people make using traditionally petroleum to make plastic. Uh, Now increasingly we're seeing natural polymers as well so plastics that are made from potato or cornstarch or even uh, zespries making one from kiwi fruit waste but what is interesting is that Whether it breaks down in the environment or whether it sticks around forever is not determined by what it's made of. It's determined by how it's made. So you can get, you know, plant-based plastic that might not break down very well if you were to put it in your compost heap. And equally, you can get petroleum-based plastic that is made to be biodegradable. But one of the biggest concerns, of course, has been that a lot of plastic basically never breaks down. It goes to a landfill, gets wasted, and it just stays there forever. And some of it is laced with these quite toxic 
additives. So the problem there is not the plastic itself. The problem is some chemicals that are added to it to give it certain properties and that these can sometimes leach into the environment um, or cause, cause other problems. And then as we've tried to solve that problem with increased use of you know, plant-based plastics or biodegradable plastics, we've encountered a whole new raft of problems, which is that if people throw biodegradable plastic into the plastic recycling bin, for example, contaminates the whole load and you then can't recycle the plastic that you would have been able to. Um, so, you know, there's a number of environmental issues here and they're quite visible, you know, unlike greenhouse gas emissions for example you see plastic you see it out there in the environment people see pictures of whales with stomachs full of it um, so it's become quite a visible problem an invisible problem which we'll talk about a bit mm, later with mm, the mm. tiny tiny bits of plastic is the ultimate aim to get rid of plastics altogether no uh, the report's quite clear that we do need some plastics and that plastic has a place in society so airplanes are much lighter now that parts of them are made of plastic rather than metal that reduces the greenhouse gas emissions that they produce because they don't need as much fuel to fly in other cases for example having plastic wrapping can reduce food waste which is ultimately perhaps on balance better for greenhouse gas emissions um, and waste. So the report isn't saying that we don't need any plastics. What it's saying is that we are using an enormous amount of plastic when we don't really need to, and that many of the types we are using are needlessly damaging. What are the worst offenders? There's probably two categories there. One is some of the additives that are added. So the plastic itself might be okay, but there's some time of type of chemical added that's not great Um, the issue with trying to tackle that is that for example there's been a lot of concern about BPA in plastic and as a result it's often been phased out of drinking bottles and and babies products and things Um, but that the replacements for that it's often not clear that they're less toxic so that's one issue that's one of the obvious things that we need to tackle. The other one, though, is the things that the government's already signalled it's going to tackle. Including those pesky um, polystyrene meat trays, the takeaway coffee cups, the fruit stickers. Good, 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 let's get rid of them. You know, on Morning Report, they were talking about how Fonterra milk bottles have got a, a white coating applied to stop the light getting into the milk. When you've got milk bottles which have got a liner to block out the light, that's just about impossible to recycle. I know. Have you talked to Fonterra about that? The Fonterra's been in discussions with MFA, yes. Why? That's outrageous, don't you think? Well, what we're signalling is we want to move away from those sorts of things which are difficult to reprocess. So there are certainly some types that are really hard to get rid of once they're out there. You highlight sequins. I was distressed about this. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I personally have any sequined clothes, but I was I would like to, and I was quite upset to learn that sequins are doing damage. So we think about all this throwaway stuff, right? We think about things that we just use once and chuck into landfill. But an equal problem are these plastic products that we keep, but that have little tiny particles wash off them all the time. So clothing that's embossed or shiny or has sequins on it sheds little microparticles of plastic every time you wash it. Wastewater treatment plants don't filter it out very well and uh, it ends up potentially in the ocean. And car tyres are another big offender. So the cars are driving on the road and little tiny bits are coming off them but it's very hard to catch it coming off the roads. 
before it goes into the stormwater network. Because, of course, it's, you know, I joke about sequins, but it's your polyester dressing gown, it's your fluffy micro fleece um, hoodie that's also shedding plastics. So because these are already in production, we're not going to get rid of them anytime soon. So the report's saying we need to find a way to have them filtered out Firstly, at the washing machine. Secondly, at the wastewater treatment plant, so they're not going out into the ocean. Um, and ultimately, what it says is that clothing manufacturers need to change how they make these so that they're shedding less less particles. This is one of many areas that were identified in the report where there are some solutions out there. So one of the things I found quite hopeful is that. We do have, for example, biodegradable stickers that can go on our fruit. We have reusable coffee cups. We have the possibility of manufacturing washing machines differently. So all of these things are out there, and what they concluded really was that if we were to make the standard practice for everyone, we'd be a long way to solving the problem. Our producer, Alexia Russell, when she was reading this, she said, will it mean that we end up wearing beige or brown <laughs> sacks effectively because they're the only thing that are environmentally sound and we'll all be looking like um, the woman from The Handmaid's Tale? So look, the, the report quite clearly says we're not going to get everybody in cotton and merino. That's just not going to happen. So we need to find another way around this. And that means manufacturing some of these colourful, sparkly items that people want and cheap you know don't forget not everyone can afford merino so manufacture these so that they're not so damaging um probably one thing that i think advocates of reducing the plastic problem would say is that we need to buy less of everything and that probably includes clothes but it is that consumerism our desire just to keep buying and buying and buying I think that's part of it, but I also think part of it is that we don't have the systems to recover this stuff when we've finished using it, to produce it more sustainably. It's not kind of made easy for us to be less, less wasteful at the moment. The whole system is set up to make being wasteful easy. Plastic's very cheap. None of the costs of disposing of it or trying to get it out of the ocean or you know, investigating any potential health effects of it are included in the cost of buying cheap plastic stuff. So, you know, the report says if, if plastic was made of gold, we wouldn't have this problem. It's the fact that it's artificially cheap that encourages us all to, you know, to act the way that we do. Let's talk about nanoplastics, micro and macroplastics. What exactly are they? So what we do know is that Virtually wherever scientists go looking for them, they find them. So they've found them in soil in New Zealand. They've found them in fish species around New Zealand. They've been found in shellfish. They have been found in wastewater. They've been found in waterways and around the beaches. So there aren't many places that scientists don't find them when they test for them. The issue that we have is that the testing hasn't been very extensive. So we don't really have a great picture of, you know, just because they've been found on a particular beach, does this mean they're all around the coast? The next problem, of course, is, okay, so we now know where they are. What are they doing to us? You know, does it actually matter if we are eating a bit of plastic in our shellfish, which we almost certainly are? Does it really matter if we, you know, have got it in our vegetable garden soil? Um... And we don't really know. I mean, 
the report kind of advocates for a precautionary principle. It says we don't really know, but because there are potential impacts, we should be careful. We should study this and we should try and limit the spread of plastic into our environment. Uh, so that is a, a big area where there is the need for more information. Where there is evidence of health impacts on people, it tends to be the additives, so the like hormone-disrupting chemicals that might be added to the plastic, not the plastic itself. Mm-hmm. So it's still an open question whether actually the plastic itself you know, means anything. I mean, I have a thousand scientists and campaigners emailing to you after saying, that. Yeah. of course it's a problem. Uh, but, you know, we don't know that much. And then there are these even smaller particles, nanoparticles of plastic. How small? They're so small that even scientists find them hard to detect. So one of the reasons we haven't studied them much is that we're only just getting the technology to detect and work with them. And the other thing that this this report highlights is there are huge gaps in knowledge about plastics. One of the big gaps is in how much plastic we actually use. So we have the data on raw plastic that's imported to New Zealand and what types of plastic that is, and that would be the stuff that gets turned into products here. Uh, no idea how much plastic comes in in the form of ready-made products. So all of the sequins, all of the Christmas Santas, all of the lunch boxes, all of the cling wrap, and then the layer of plastic that goes in behind that, so the pallet wrap, the, you know... Building wrap. The building wrap, the uh, polystyrene that gets used by the building industry, all of the stuff that gets bought in ready-made absolutely no idea how much of that is coming in nobody tracks it and we don't know what happens to it after that either so we don't have a good understanding of what proportion of that's recycled what proportion goes to landfill and can it ever be traced can it ever be measured yes oh it um, can. yeah i mean the, the person who did a lot of the legwork on this report in Juliet gerard's office is a woman named um rachel Kieroni clark and she's a research writer and analyst um, in the Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor's office. And what she says is that if we just had the really big retailers on board, so if we had both the supermarket chains, the warehouse, um, the Kmarts, just the really big retailers, who probably some of them do some internal tracking already, if they had a system where they all collectively pulled how much plastic they're bringing in and it was anonymised so it didn't hurt their commercial sensitivity, that would actually give us a pretty good picture. wouldn't solve everything, you don't, but you don't need every gift shop or every fruit seller um, to be involved to mm. get a decent picture. And obviously, you know, at the waste level, if we had all of the councils involved, for example, and all of the privately run landfills and recyclers, that doesn't seem insurmountable either to at least get better data. What are we aiming for here? If you read this report, it can be a bit bloody depressing, really. Are there any good things going on? There are lots of good things going on. Um, And one of the really clear findings was that if everybody in each industry did what the best people are doing, we would go a long way. We actually need a systems change, which is what Dr Gerard's report is all about. This is the Associate Environment Minister, Eugenie Sage. Lots of councils, businesses, government, consumers, retailers, all changing. And what we've signalled is we now have seven different sorts of plastic that are often used for packaging. We want to trim that down. 
every industry has companies that are doing their best. So, you know, EcoStore has made sugar-based plastic for its bottles, but it's also starting to operate refill stations. The supermarkets now allow you to bring your own reusable containers to the deli counter. Um, Zespri has got those biodegradable vine clips that just fall off and biodegrade in the grass out in the fields without causing any problems so um, you know farmers have got this scheme now where they collect the plastic wrap around their hay and silage bales and recycle it so if everybody did the things that the best people are doing that would help a lot and a lot of the innovation is there it just needs to be scaled Um, similarly with fishing you know making sure that bits of lost fishing line break down and giving an incentive to the industry to bring it back to port and recycle it. The picture for 2030 that's that's painted here is quite hopeful in terms of um, it envisages a future where all of our plastic that is recycled is recycled onshore. So we're not shipping the problem to China. We've got sustainable markets here where we're using high-quality plastic that people want to recycle in and use the recycled material. Um, When things are likely to end up in compost or in a garden or on the ground, it's biodegradable and harmlessly biodegradable. Uh, We're not relying on petroleum-based plastic so much because obviously that's got implications for the climate um, Mm. from fossil fuel extraction. And um, that where possible, it's easy for people to just not use it. We've already seen that we moved away from throwaway plastic bags without New Zealand collapsing. The question is, because we don't have a lot of data yeah. about where the plastic goes, we don't really know, even with the plastic bag yeah. ban, yeah. whether that's having any impact at all. One place we will get some data from that probably is the Sustainable Coastlines people because they do litter audits around the coasts. But you're absolutely right. You're asking people to make these changes and then you're not able to tell them what the results be. it's working. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the report? I was surprised at the gaps in what we know. So not the gaps in the report, but the gaps. They couldn't answer a lot of questions simply because we don't collect that data. And for something that's so close to the hearts of New Zealanders, I was really surprised. The question will be what happens now, right? Um, so the Prime Minister's chief science advisor is a very august office it's an influential office um, and it does have the year of politicians I think but it has no binding power Mm. so what happens now really depends on political will. So this is only the government's initial response have asked Ministry for the Environment to come back with a much more comprehensive response uh, early next year and hope to have some recommendations going to Cabinet within six months. What kind of regulation could we be seeing? One of the big ones that's already in train is the waste levy, so increasing what it costs to dump rubbish to the point where there's an incentive not to just chuck away so much plastic. Uh, The other is the container deposit scheme. So, you know, if you travel to Scandinavia or um, other countries, you'll usually find that you buy a bottle, you pay a small amount, and you get money back when you put it in this machine. And there's then, of course, an incentive for people to go around and collect bottles off the streets. And the government wants to do that and I think is, is working pretty hard on it now. Probably the other big regulatory lever that is likely to 
come in will be product stewardship. So putting the onus on the companies that are making and selling this stuff to make sure there is a sustainable end-of-life destination for what they're making and to make sure that the cost of making that happen is built into the product itself because at the moment it falls on ratepayers. New Zealand's plastics industry has welcomed the move but says it could take years and millions of dollars to implement. Some of the alternate materials aren't as easy to just drop into their manufacturing facilities. They will have to make changes uh, and there's quite a bit of R&D involved. Also the report did talk about landfills and the problem there. Yeah, so the other part of this vision for a sustainable future is that when things do need to be thrown away, they've either been recycled too many times or just for whatever reason can't be reused, can't break down in the environment, they'll have to go to landfill and at the moment there's huge variation in how kind of watertight and safe our landfills are. So, you know, we saw on the west coast rubbish just washing out to sea after a big storm. Um, less dramatically, there are less obvious problems with just microplastics kind of seeping out into the environment. So trying to make sure that we've got state-of-the-art disposal facilities for you know, plastic at the end of its life is a big part of the solution as well. From this report, what would be... <laughs> What would be the one thing that would you know that you you feel that you could change in <laughs> your life? <laughs> it's clothes. It's got to be clothes. You know, I like to buy cheap clothes, and I don't factor in what they're doing to the environment when I do that. So I probably need to spend a little bit of time thinking about thinking yeah. about that. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Newsroom's Eloise Gibson. Ka nui tēnei.